lovely sense of the presence of God and the joy and excitement in that praise of Jesus. And I feel just with the songs that we've been singing that um, what I want to speak on this morning is kind of been preached in song, which makes it rather interesting. But anyway, we're going to hear it again. This is it. I want to share this morning about the greatness of Jesus. We often bring teaching about how we're to live and um, you know, the things that we should do, but I really want to exalt the Lord Jesus this morning. I know that we're all aware of the fact that individual identity is all consuming today for many, many people. What people think of us, what they say about us, is quite important to each one of us. And social media is the place where many people draw their identity today. It's a sad fact, but it's, it's very true. We are quite caught up with social media, what people are saying, what people are thinking, comments that people are making, and it influences us whether we realise it or not. And I have this little story that I've never shared before, but I just love sharing it. It's about an elderly man who tried to apply the principles of Facebook to his life, but he didn't own a computer, he didn't own a smartphone, but he somehow cottoned on with the idea. And so he wrote to publish newspaper, and this is what he said. He said, Sir, I haven't got a computer. But I was told about Facebook and Twitter, and I'm trying to make friends outside of Facebook and Twitter, but by applying the same principles. So he said, every day I walk down the street and I tell passers-by what I've eaten, how I feel, what I've done the night before, and what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the day. I give them pictures of my wife, my daughter, my dog, of me gardening and on holiday and spending time by the swimming pool. Now, our encouragement app is getting a bit like that. <laughs> There's lots of pictures that are appearing of what people are doing and where they're going and what they're saying. So we're doing it. But he said, I also listen to their conversations and I tell them that I like every subject that interests me, whether it interests them or not. And he says, do you know it works? I've already got four people following me. Two police officers, a social worker, and a psychiatrist. Many people today think that becoming a celebrity is the way to gain recognition. And the popular TV programme, Britain's Got Talent, is a platform where thousands of people flock with the misguided belief that if I become famous, then I'll have identity, I'll have recognition, I'll have everything that I need in life. 
And that misguided belief is simply this. You can be what you want to be. Have you heard that phrase? You can be what you want to be. That is a big lie. I reckon that none of us here this morning could ever climb to the top of Mount Everest. You might want to, but looking at the shape and size of most of you, I don't think any of us could. Probably none of us in this room could become a top surgeon. You might want to, but probably do. And there's a lie that's spread about today where people say, you could be what you want to do. It is misguided, but it fuels so many people and it drives them to pursue it. And it makes them believe that your destiny is in your own hands. If you win at life or you lose at life, it's up to you. But the Bible gives us a very different perspective when it comes to identity. This is what the Apostle Paul says. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Job said, you formed me with your hands. You made me. God knew all about you, all about me, before we entered this world, before we took our first breath. Everything he knew about us way back then. And I love the words of David when he says, God, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That simply tells us that God designed each one of us for a purpose. And it's only living our lives for him that we find our true identity. True identity is found in knowing Jesus. True identity is found in discovering the purpose that God intended for each and every one of us before we ever entered this world. Now, I want you just to watch something on the screen. If at the end of it, you want to applause, you want to cheer, you want to get up and jump up and down, you've got my permission. Please do it. But just watch this wonderful YouTube presentation. Brilliant. You can't help but be inspired and moved when the worship of Jesus is declared and exalted in such a marvelous way. Now, that song comes from Revelation 5, and Janice is just going to come and read that chapter to us. Let's get the context out of the scriptures from the song that we've just heard. Thank you. Wow, isn't he worthy? Yes, he is. Don't shout it, he is. Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or on the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. 
see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Our prayers in those bowls. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousands times in heaven. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. We worship it today, don't we? Brilliant, thank you. So let's have a little look at this chapter five of the book of Revelation. Make sure we're on, yeah, chapter five of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is all about Jesus. It's a complicated book. There's lots of imagery in it that you might not understand, but it opens with these words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John, the writer, receives this revelation at a time when the national identity of the nation of Israel was zero. They were under the tyrannous rule of the Roman Empire. They had no sense of identity, no sense of who they were whatsoever. They were completely controlled and dominated by Rome. And here in chapter 5 that Janice has just read to us, we find that John is weeping. He weeps because he sees this vision that no one in heaven, on earth, or under the earth was found worthy to open a scroll that contained the judgment of God, but also the hope of his salvation. But then as his tears are dried, he hears a great heavenly chorus singing these words. You are worthy 
to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign forever. Hip, hip. This is good news. John's eyes are dried, and suddenly he senses this hope in the midst of our terrible oppression that we suffer as a nation. What does it mean to be worthy? Because that's what this whole chapter is about. It's about the worship of Jesus. What does it mean to be worthy? Okay, let's just do a little bit of a word understanding here. Greek word for worthy is axios, which literally means weight, deserving, something that matches in value. Now it comes, and it's rooted in this idea of a balance scale. Can you see that balance scale? Up the top there, can you see that little section there? There's, there's a needle there. And when that points exactly vertical, then the scales are worthy. The axis point is central, pointing exactly vertical, and whatever is on the scales, they totally balance. It is an axios moment, because this point at the top there is the axis. That's a more familiar word to us, the axis. Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 1, live a life worthy of your calling. We've been saved and called by the grace of God. That's God's part. That's the bit that he has done. We are to live and to behave worthy of that call. That's our part. So the big question this morning, just at this point, is does our calling balance with our walking what you are here on a Sunday with everybody else is that reflected throughout the rest of the week in the way that you live, behave, talk, and conduct your life. That's the challenge to be found worthy of what Jesus has done for us. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Paraphrase Bible called The Message, he said this. When our walking and God's calling are in balance, we are whole. We are living maturely, living responsibly to God's calling, living congruent with the way God called us into being. Axios, worthy, we are mature, healthy, robust. When God's calling and our walking fit, we are growing up in Christ. God calls, we walk. So let's think about Jesus from here on. John saw that Jesus was worthy. What makes Jesus worthy? Why do we sing and declare his worship? What is it about Jesus that makes him worthy of all honor and all praise and all glory and wisdom and power and might? What is it? Well, I believe we've got the answers in this chapter. First of all, Jesus is worthy because of his majesty. It says here, 
in verse 5, the lion of the tribe of Judah has won the victory. Now, you know that the lion is the king of the jungle. A lion has no predators, no rival, no equal. You don't mess with the lion in the jungle. It's very interesting. If you go into the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, Jacob, the father of Israel, he is prophetically breathing his last breath and he's prophesying over all of his 12 sons. Some of the prophetic words weren't very nice. But he prophesies over his son Judah, and this is what he says, Judah, my son, is a young lion. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. This was spoken nearly 2,000 years before Jesus set foot on this earth. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one to whom all nations will one day bow the knee. Why? Because he is worthy. And from Judah came the royal line of kings. And David was the first king. He came from the tribe of Judah, the, the first king that Israel had from that tribe. And David had this accolade from God, I have found a man after my own heart. God was displeased with Saul. But for David, he was a man after God's heart. Many years later, after David's reign, his dynasty demised. And his kingdom fell apart, and Israel became captive to other nations. But God prophesied through the prophet Isaiah 600 years before Jesus came to the earth. He prophesied this out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. When you cut a tree down to a stump, it normally dies, nothing normally ever happens again. But Isaiah, looking forward, he says, out of that stump of the demised kingdom, the demise reign of David's line, out of that stump a root or a shoot will grow, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, and the fear of the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord, he will delight in obeying the Lord. And in that day, the heir of David's throne will be a banner of salvation to the whole and if that wasn't enough, another Old Testament prophet named Jeremiah, he also adds his words in this dark period because he says, the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land, and this will be his name, the Lord our righteous. Jesus is worthy because of his majesty as king forever. As the lion, he conquered death. And on the cross, you know, Jesus cried out, it is finished. That was a message to Satan, telling Satan, you are defeated. I have triumphed. 
Zechariah's words were also quoted. Now, Isaiah's words, sorry, were also quoted in Isaiah 25, verse 9, where Paul reflects on the death of Jesus, saying, Death was swallowed up in victory. It no longer has its sting, because Jesus, as king, was worthy to conquer death. He is the majestic Son of God. So Jesus is worthy because of his majesty, but if we go on, we find out that Jesus is worthy because of his meekness. Because here again in Revelation 5, verse 6, John says, I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slain. Now here we see Jesus as the very antithesis of the lion. Meekness is to be humble. It's to be gentle. It's to be submissive. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem just before his death, the disciples quoted the prophet Zechariah and they said, look, your king is coming. He's righteous and victorious, yet he is humble and meek, riding on the donkey. Meekness is never about weakness. It's a character quality that reveals actually great stature. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. He, he received that accolade at his death. That was what was recognized. And he led the people of Israel, who were so rebellious, who must have really, if I can use this phrase, just gone on his wick at times. But there was a meekness about Moses. It's a quality of great strength and stature. Meekness never promotes itself. Meekness is not out to, out to get self-recognition. Meekness does not desire applause. It doesn't require any affirmation. Jesus said on one occasion, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And he also said on another occasion, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. You will find rest your souls. You see, Jesus is worthy because in his meekness he laid down his life so that you and I could be forgiven and be set free. But then finally this morning, just out of this amazing passage, Jesus is worthy by his mercy. It says also in verse 11 of Revelation 5, your blood, they sang this, your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. Now, in biblical times, everyone understood the practice of paying a ransom. It was the language of the slave trade. A ransom was the price that was paid to release the slave from his or her bondage. And often in biblical times, people had to sell themselves into slavery to survive. Particularly if a woman lost her husband and she became a widow, there would be no national support, no benefit system like we enjoy in this country. There was nothing. 
you were likely to die if you had no family, particularly to gather around and help you. And so in biblical times, people would have to sell themselves into slavery if life took a terrible downer for them. And occasionally there were these kind-hearted people who would actually pay a ransom price to set somebody free to release them from their bondage of slavery. So they fully understood what the term ransom meant. And Jesus often told his disciples that he was going to die, but they struggled to receive it. They just thought he was talking about nonsense. But on one occasion, Jesus explained it in a way that they couldn't help but understand. You see, their, their mindset was that Jesus had come to deliver them from Rome. Jesus was the Messiah, and everybody believed that the Messiah would come and rescue them, set them free from the control of the Roman Empire. But on one occasion, Jesus explained it in Matthew 20, verse 28. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served. I didn't come to reign as a king where everybody would bow down to him. He didn't come to serve, but he came to serve to give his life as a ransom that was a moment when the penny must have dropped, when they began to understand why Jesus came. And Paul affirms this in 1 Timothy 2. He says, for there is one mediator, one God, and one man between men and God, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. You see, Jesus is worthy because he laid down his life the mercy of God was expressed through him so that we could be set free. It makes Jesus worthy because nobody else has done for us what Jesus has done. Nobody else could do for us what Jesus has done. He is worthy because of the mercy of God expressed through him. You and I are pardoned today because Jesus alone was found in the world. A couple of weeks ago in the Alpha, we were listening to Mickey Gumbel, and he was speaking about a scripture in Isaiah 53 that simply spoke about Jesus taking upon himself all our guilt and all our shame. And he explained it like this. Imagine this hand represents you, represents me. And imagine this hand represents Jesus. And imagine on, on this hand of your life and my hand is, is the weight and the guilt of all our sin, all our wrongdoing. But in God's mercy, Isaiah says that God laid upon Jesus the iniquity of his heart. We are set free. Jesus was found worthy. And Paul puts it like this in a beautiful way. He says, God who is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. It is by grace that you I want you to go home this morning Continuing to exalt Jesus. 
to remind ourselves that he is worthy by his majesty. He is worthy by his meekness. And he is worthy by his mercy. May God bless his word to each of us.